2: Getting you ready for the day in sports betting, this is Point Spread Sunday on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Good morning. Welcome to Point Spread Sunday here on VSN, the Sports Betting Network, where a full slate of Major League Baseball will have reaction to game two of the Stanley Cup Finals and it is Sunday at the U.S. Open. Of course, a lot to get to here. I'm Mark Zeno. Thank you so much for joining me and appreciate you starting your Sunday morning with us here on the Vegas Sports Information Network. We'll have a bandy of guests about here on the show today, including our good friend Adam Trigger to go over MLB with us. We'll do some college football as we start to turn the page a little bit, get ever so close to uh, less than what, about 90 days now before college football kicks off. Paul Stone will join us and Barry Woolner will talk some NFL with us as well. We've got a lot to do. Again, thank you for starting your Sunday mornings with us here on Point Spread Sunday. But mostly it is the U.S. Open that is uh, heading into the final round on Sunday with Will Zalatoris. Yes, Happy Gilmore's caddy is now in first place heading into Sunday in the final round of the U.S. Open. He's tied with Matt Fitzpatrick atop the leaderboard, both of them at four under. Zalatoris yesterday had the round of the day, shot a sixty-seven, and it was a tough Saturday for many, many golfers who uh did not break 70. Uh there in fact there was only three players who ended up in the top ten to card under 70 yesterday. And some of the bigger names Did not have good Saturdays, including Rory McIlroy, who shot a 73. Joel Damon, who is at the top of the leaderboard, heading into uh, round three, shot a 74. Hayden Buckley shot a 75. All these guys who were in contention yesterday, or at least within the top six, are now out of the top six heading into the final day of the U.S. Open. We told you that trend yesterday, that 25 of the last 26 U.S. Open winners were tied for sixth or better after two rounds, and the only one who is in that list still that is there that was tied for sixth or better is John Rahm, who is one stroke off the pace right now. And in reality, John Rahm should be leading this tournament heading into the final round of the U.S. Open. He double bogeyed eighteen, had a one-stroke lead, was five under, and double bogeyed eighteen to fall one stroke back. Of the co-leaders of Will Zalatoris and Matt Fitzpatrick. And this feels like this is John Rahm's tournament right now to go out there and win. And when you talk about odds and everything else, as far as the outright winner, and Will Zalatoris at plus three fifty, Matt Fitzpatrick at plus three thirty-three, John Rahm at plus four hundred. Like I don't know how you have a ton of confidence betting on Zalatoris. And I don't say this as a pejorative because I think he's he is a he's a great golfer and he's fun to watch. But haven't we seen this script with Zalatoris before? Haven't we seen him head into contention at the top of the leaderboard, a stroke off the lead, whatever it may be, heading into Sunday of a major, only to watch him not be able to close the door and win the thing? Because both Fitzpatrick and Zalatoris are both searching for their first major win. Uh, and, and right now, at 4-1, to one, I don't think it's a bad bet for you to back Rahm. Um, Going into this thing here, you know, yesterday, obviously the number was a little bit better for him uh, if, if you decided to do that. But still, this is a situation where I don't know if I can have a ton of faith in Zalatoris to be able to close the door here enough to back him. Scotty Scheffler is plus 600. Now, Scheffler uh, is interesting just because he would break that ter- that trend. He's two strokes off the lead. He is a- sitting in uh, tied for fourth place. It would break that trend of 25 or last 26 U.S. Open winners being tied for sixth or better after two rounds. He was not. He was tied for eighth. He was right there. But, again, he was not holding into a trend that has been there for the better part of the last quarter century or the last quarter century. So uh, if if you want to back Sheffler, obviously it's uh, it's hard to not endorse it. Um, and McElroy, by the way, has fallen all the way back to plus 1,000. You know, yesterday he was four to one. Now he's ten to one, uh, given what has happened to him and where he is and and what he's going to have to dig himself out of. He's minus one tied for seventh. I mean, it's only three strokes. It's not impossible. And given the fact that you're sitting there and and we just talked about guys like Zalatoris and Fitzpatrick who have yet to get over the hump um, and and they've choked their way through, you know, sort of this uh, uh, these majors and, and haven't been able to close the door. Well, it'll be interesting. Again, the last group tees off at 2.45 Eastern, 11.45 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. So, you know, uh, you have a little bit of time to, to figure out what you want to do with these odds. And, of course, they'll change as guys get out on the course. But nonetheless, you know, this is a uh, a tournament that is very much wide open heading into Sunday. And it should be some great golf to watch as uh, as we get to sit back and, and enjoy a Sunday at the U.S. Open of Brookline, Mass. And uh, I'm expecting it to be pretty competitive across the board. And I'm just curious to see. If they ease up a little bit, you know, the tendency is with uh, with the majors and the way they stack the, um, you you know, the rounds as far as the toughness, the whole the pin placement and everything else and uh, where they put it. Saturday is always the toughest day. Sunday is tough, but it's usually not as tough as Saturday. And we'll see if they can go out there and, and try to put up some good numbers. I'd love to see everybody rounds in the 60s. I think golf is so much more exciting when golfers aren't struggling to make par and get birdies right like that i know it's the u.s open and it's supposed to be incredibly tough but the bottom line here is that from a tv standpoint i'd like to be able to see guys get into the 60s here you know let, let's make birdies not completely uncommon um and, and have guys scrambling all afternoon long while well, it's fun and it's great that it's you know there's tension in every shot i mean there's tension in every shot on the final day of the u.s open regardless um, but birdies are a lot more fun to watch and a lot more exciting so hopefully we get some there, uh, in the final round of the U.S. Open today. So, uh, and again, there's more bets out there. Top five bets. You know, you're you're laying minus money with Fitzpatrick, Rahm, Zalatoris, Scheffler, uh, all to finish top five. I mean, Rory McIlroy is even money right now. Uh, If you're into that sort of thing, and what I mean is that you're not, you know, it's just a straight yay, nay, uh, and you don't have to pay any juice on it. It's not a terrible bet to get Rory into the top five. We've seen him do this on Sunday uh, in the last couple of majors, make a run late on Sunday and put himself in position. Uh, I I can't endorse it as a bad bet. Um, It's just not one, you know, 10 bucks in, 10 10 bucks out. It's not terrible. Um, There there are better ways to, uh, there are worse ways, I should say, to spend your money as far as uh, how you're going to do it. And of course there are top 10 finishes and you know, what you may want to look at is somebody like Justin Thomas um, to finish top 10. He's plus two seventy five. You know, his position right now uh, isn't great. Uh, In fact, he is outside the top 20 if I'm looking at this correctly right now. So he's got some work to do uh, to get into the top 10, but wouldn't be beyond Justin Thomas to have a great Sunday and, uh, and put himself at least in in a position to to finish in the top ten. I don't, I don't think it's all that that shocking. And oh, by the way, Colin Morikawa, who was the co-leader yesterday, shot a 77. Wow, uh, just unreal fall for Morikawa. who's looking for his third major now, probably uh probably out of it. And he's plus 225, by the way, to finish in the top ten. And right now, Morikawa is tied for 17th. Uh, but he only has to make up a, a, a distance of, of golfers who, who are only one stroke ahead of him to get into the top 10. So that's not a bad bet either if you're looking to go down that road. right, uh, let's pivot to game two of the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, where the Colorado Avalanche scored a touchdown and uh, managed to shut out the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yes, it was a 7 0 blowout in favor of Colorado. And we told you here now. I'm not going to gloat because yesterday was not my best day, especially in Major League Baseball. But I did, did yesterday I did have the avalanche minus one and a half on the puck line. And it goes back to what we say all the time. And the only real handicap I had on the avalanche was that the money did not match where the public was. Going into game two, you had 65% of the tickets on the, on, on the lightning on the puck line at plus one and a half. Yet 60% of the money was on the avs minus one and a half on the puck line. And I followed the money and it got us home. Uh, and, and just, a, again, a tip there, always look at the money, go to the com betting splits page and uh, and check out where the money is. And it doesn't match. And and it didn't match last night. And there was a reason for that. And we ended up on the right side of it. So I don't know what to say other than Tampa Bay looked completely unprepared. Um, they did not have clearly did not have a, a, any game plan for. uh Colorado's offense uh, and and what's interesting is we talked yesterday about not panicking with Tampa losing the first game because they had done that 5 of 11 times well in game 2s in their previous 11 playoff series they went 9 and 2 straight up yeah okay um you know that that was bad you're talking about 9 and 2 and and Andre Vasilevsky of the Lightning the goaltender had a 938 save percentage in those games uh, he had a 77.4 or, or .774 save percentage last night. He gave up seven goals. I mean, it was, you know, it, w- it was a bad showing by Tampa Bay. Um, Colorado looks more rested. They're deeper. Uh, and Tampa Bay's offense, and I talked about this, and I said this on several shows that I've been on, the question is, and I, and, and we talked yesterday with, with Lou Acquiaro about Tampa Bay said, well, they're not going to be aggressive. They're going to play from the, from the net out and, and play defensively. No, they better start flipping the script on this thing. They better find a way to start putting the puck in the back of the net because in reality, they're going to find themselves in in, a, in an 0-3 hole if they can't figure this out and get right very, very quickly. Uh, this is another scenario here where, as we said yesterday, Colorado's whole idea was to pepper the hell out of Asileski with shots, and they did it again. Uh, and And if they just keep throwing it on net, their logic is that, hey, we're going to score, and we're going to score a ton. Um, you know, and Vasilevsky only faced 30 shots, but when you do the period by period breakdown, it's unreal. The shot disparity between Tampa Bay and Colorado. I mean, Darcy Kemper only faced 16 shots the entire game. I mean, that's what, that's what Colorado puts up in a quarter for crying out loud of quarter just a period. Uh, so, I mean, it's been really, really unbalanced in this series. Now it'll shift back to Tampa Bay uh, and, and Colorado's even a heavier favorite, which is kind of crazy. Uh, and quickly, all the money is running right to Colorado. So uh, we'll see where it goes uh, over the course of the next couple of days before we get to Game Three. Of course, we'll dive more into this game kind of later on in the show. Uh, we've got a lot to do here. Coming up next, uh, full slate of Major League Baseball games today, including that early Peacock game. Break down that game on the card as well. That's all coming up next right here. On Point Spread Sunday, I'm Mark Zeno. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zeno. More to come here on Point Spread Sunday on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube,
0: or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Point Spread
4: Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network.
3: The Beeson Summer Special is here for only $19. You get everything Beeson has to offer from now to the end of July. Sign up today and you'll get Beeson's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily Major League Baseball best bets, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use our betting tools and live video streaming whenever you want it. The cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash summer. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday here on VEASAN, the Esports Betting Network. I'm Mark Zinno. appreciate you guys spending your Sunday morning with us as a uh, we get you through the gambling slate today. Adam Trigger of Wager Talk uh, and the Hustle Show pod is going to join us coming up here in about 15 minutes or so. And we'll go through his Major League Baseball card. And it was a rough day uh, for one Mark Zeno yesterday, as I refer to myself in the third person. I don't want to refer to myself in the first person when I'm losing. I'll only refer to myself in the first person uh, when I'm when I'm winning. So it was bad. Uh, not, not my best work yesterday, folks. So we'll try to do a little bit better today. Uh, as we go through the Major League Baseball schedule. And they have that early game, uh, the Peacock game, that starts at 11.35 Eastern a.m., so 8.30 out on the West Coast. Uh, For those of you who are up this early, uh, out in Vegas and on the West Coast watching, uh, get the crust out of your eyes, uh, stretch out, and get ready for some baseball coming up here in just a few short hours. Uh, But let's look at this Nats-Washington matchup here. Uh, When you look at this game, you're getting Zach Elfin going for – the Philadelphia Phillies, who have won five straight games against the Nationals in D.C., and uh, they've been on fire. They're coming into this this game winning five in a row. However, I'm going to actually back the Nats today, plus one and a half on the run line at minus 108. It's a very favorable number. Here's the thing about Zach Elfin. He has been a completely different pitcher at home than on the road. At home this year, he's got a 1.95 ERA on the road. It is 7.13. He's given up 23 hits in 37 innings at home, yet he's given up 34 hits in 24 innings on the road this year. His batting average against at home, a measly 173. On the road, hitters are hitting against him at a 340 clip. So this is not the best guy to have on the road. Now, the scary part about this is that the Nationals are starting Jackson to troll to It's a French name. I don't even try to However you say his name, he's making his second career start. His first start last week was against the Braves in the middle of their 14 game win streak. Yeah. Good call throwing the young man there uh, into that juggernaut uh, while the Braves are beating their brains out of everybody. But um, to troll tier is going to make his second start. And this is like a start at look, at least from reading some of the papers in DC that he needs to have an effective start to keep himself in the rotation here. Um, and the weird thing is, is we talk so much about to pitchers, pitchers being creatures of habit, not pitchers. Pitchers being creatures of habit and how much it affects them when they have their things, you know, timing thrown off and this, that and the other day starts versus night starts, all that stuff for this young man everything is upside down right now. He doesn't know that an 11:35 game is not normal. 11:35 East, Eastern game is not normal for him to start. And so, I think there's just a, a little bit different focus. He's going to go out there and just pitch his heart out because he knows that there's a lot on the line for him individually and uh I just like the Nats in this spot here against Elfin on the road. So, let's see if uh the Phillies bats can't wake up. I'm sorry, the Nats bats rather can't wake up a little bit early. And uh, and the Nationals can finally snap this uh, this home losing streak to the Philadelphia Phillies. So we'll back the Nats plus 105 at a very favorable minus 108 here um, in the early Peacock game. There's a lot of K-props today that I am eyeing and looking at. Uh, I'll go through them all as we go through the individual games. Um, but one of them here is Corey Kluber of the Tampa Bay Rays going up against the Baltimore Orioles. Numbers set at four and a half uh, and minus 122. The Orioles have the fifth highest K rate or the fifth highest strikeouts per game in Major League Baseball. They strike out nine times per game. Kluber has sort of been a mixed bag of results. He's gone over this number and then under this number, over this number, under this number for every start since the beginning of May. So uh, if the trend continues and there's, you know, this is not anything that is worth handicapping it's just worth noting if the trend continues he's in the over stage of the flip-flopping back and forth between over and under uh he's faced the orioles twice already this year got to five k's in the first start earlier in this year second start he only went three innings and struck out two guys why did he only go three innings because it was a 51 minute rain delay and he didn't come out afterwards he went three innings gave up just two runs in fact he left the game the braves scored four runs in the top of the first inning and patted him to a four nothing lead and he left the game with a four two lead but a rain delay Didn't allow him to finish. So we had two strikeouts in just three innings. Again, this is a guy who knows this lineup well. He's pitched in the American League before. It's a high strikeout team here. This is not a juicy number by K standards, uh, by K-prop standards at minus 122. So Corey Kluber is a guy that we're going to look to back today. You guys know how much I love my my first inning uh, over under half run props. This is a game. At minus 125, that it's worth looking at the under in that prop. The Orioles do not score runs in the first inning. They are the worst team in Major League Baseball at first inning run scored percentage. Uh, the scary part about this is that it's against the Orioles, and they tended to give up runs in the first inning, but they have their theoretical best starter on the mound in Jordan Lyles today. Uh, and these two teams always play it close, but uh, I, I would I don't think it's a terrible bet to back the the under Half run in the first inning uh, between these two teams, especially since the juice is only minus 125. Uh, another under first uh under half run first inning that I'm gonna play today. And this kind of goes against my standard rules of what I'm willing to pay for juice, but this is a very particular scenario here. Um Mets and Marlins. you getting Sandy Alcantara going up against Chris Bassett. Uh, and it, it is juiced. The under is juiced to minus 155, and I understand why. Alcantara has been unhittable. Period. Uh, the, he's allowed just three runs in his last 31 and two thirds innings. He's been on fire. He's got a 1.680 RA. His WHIP is .96. He has been phenomenal. Uh, and although the Mets are one of the higher scoring uh, first inning run scored percentage teams in baseball. Uh, And they're very good at uh, at generating runs early. In fact, they're second in Major League Baseball. And at home, they do it 56% of the time. I can fade that with Alcantara on the mound because he is that level of pitcher. Despite the fact, again, the Mets are scoring a run in the first inning at home better than 50% of the time. I'm going to ride right into that trend uh, because also the Mets do not give up runs at home in the first inning by far the best percentage in Major League Baseball, just 9%, that is, tops in Major League Baseball of first-inning runs scored percentage. The Cubs are second at 13%, so it's a huge, huge differential. The Mets just do not give up runs at City Field in the first inning, uh, and he, although Chris Bassett is a little bit of a mixed bag, he's been better at home than on the road. Um, batters are hitting 216 against him at home, um, and Miami is the third lowest first inning run scored percentage of any team in Major League Baseball. Again, this is juice just because the Mets never give up runs at home in the first inning. Even though they score them, I'm banking on Alcantara to get me through the first inning here. So we'll take an under a half run in the first inning. Despite the juice being so heavy, I don't mind backing it here. A couple of other K props that I'm looking at. Alex Cobb. Of the San Francisco Giants going up against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pittsburgh is the third highest case per game of anybody in Major League Baseball. This is a low number at four and a half. It's a, well, you shouldn't say it's a low number. It's a very middle of the road number. Juice is set at 132, minus 132 for Cobb here. Um, Cobb's, again, he's another guy that's been up and down when it comes to K props. He's been able to hit him in certain starts and has been very dominant. other one's not so much. Um, and again, uh, he's he's not a guy that I love to back. Eyeing it, let's see if the move if the money moves a little bit as we get closer to first pitch here. Um, but it's one that I'm certainly got my eye on going forward, just because he's going up against a team that strikes out so much in the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, K. Props in the Atlanta Chicago Cubs game here. I actually, like them both for Kyle Hendricks and Ian Anderson. Kyle Hendricks number set at three and a half. It's juiced to minus one forty two, which is way more than I ever would like to pay. But this is the worst strikeout team in major league baseball, the Braves strike strikeout more than anybody in major league baseball. And you're asking me to get Kyle Hendricks to get to four. Now what's the danger part of Kyle Hendricks here is that well, his numbers as a starter, aren't very good this year and the Braves are bound. It feels like they are bound to get the bats going in this series, which they haven't been able to do. They get shut out in the first game only scored two runs yesterday. And this is after the 14 game win streak. It's almost like, you know, the Braves will wake up. Won't they? They haven't lost three in a row or year long. Are they going to do it now? Uh, who knows? But still, it's it's a very low number. To, if it was four and a half, you know, even at four and a half, if if this you got plus money, if you can look for an alternate K prop, and I'll look real quick to see if I can find it, um, that might even be a better play, just because the Braves strike out so much, uh, and it's not exactly like Kyle Hendricks is this great strikeout pitcher, but uh, against the Braves, it's you know th- there are very few games this year where they haven't. Uh, struck out that little. And Ian Anderson, oh, by the way, as well, uh, over four and a half against the Cubs, minus 118. On the road, much better this year. He's got 34 strikeouts in 39 innings. So um, that's most of the baseball rundown. <laughs> We're going to get to Adam Trigger of Wager Talk, do more baseball next right here on Point Spread Sunday on Visa, the sports betting network.
2: This is Point Spread Sunday on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Victory, Heineken. Beer made better. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday here on VEASAN. The Sports Betting Network we will stay on the diamond here and welcome in Our good friend and contributor here on Point Spread Saturday and Point Spread Sunday. He's Adam Trigger of Wager Talk and the Hustle Show Pod. Here this morning, joining me. Good morning, Adam, and always great to talk to you, brother.
5: Morning, Mark. Morning, Mark. Saw you. I saw you got your first taste of Viva last night. Hope you enjoyed it. I did. did. uh, But uh, yeah, we are. uh, It's Sunday. We got baseball all day, so uh, ready to go.
3: I might crack another one while we're watching baseball today and the U.S. Open. (laughs) Very good stuff. All right, let's get a quick uh, start on some of the games. Yankees and Blue Jays stepping into a streak when it's on. You know, I've talked about this with everybody when the Braves went on their 14-game win streak. Just approach it for me from a handicapping standpoint. Do you look to just get into the streak as far as backing the Yankees, or are you looking for other ways to find your way in, whether it's a prop or a run total or things of that nature?
5: Yeah, so as far as the streaks are concerned, I I – I don't just look to jump in and fade a team that's red hot. But oftentimes, like that, you're gonna find value in, in some of those spots. So if you can make a case for it, you know, you're you're typically if you ride a streak, that's great. And if you get out ahead of it and you're playing with house money, that's that's great. But if you've sort of missed the the run, you know, I, I think the the better way to look at it maybe to Figure out when you can jump in and fade a team that's red hot because you know that the the market has probably peaked on them. And as far as the Yankees are concerned, I had not bet against them at all on this current run. I, always, I usually look to go contrarian with a lot of my plays, but haven't bet against them at all until this weekend. Uh, I thought with them coming off the Rays series... Having to go up to Toronto, which there's been travel issues into Toronto. I, I knew they likely had to go to Buffalo and, and bus in on, you know, after the series with the Rays. Uh, I thought it was a really good spot for the Blue Jays to get a sort of a marquee win at some point this weekend. And uh, that's been my kind of, uh, I've been a, on a great baseball run the past couple of weeks, but the Yankees got me the last couple, uh, the last two days. They blew the Blue Jays out on Friday night and then yesterday in what was even an even better spot for the Blue Jays. Um, The the Jays, I think I I beat the market by like 30 cents in that game, maybe, and it didn't matter. The Yankees still got it done with a couple guys getting a day off. Mark, I still think if you're going to bet this game, the best way to look at it here would be Blue Jays plus one and a half. Uh, Mm -hmm. 12 of the Yankees' wins in the past month, or, or going back to early May, have been by one run, and I have a feeling the Yanks could rest guys again here. They go to Tampa tomorrow without without an off day, another big series against one of their rivals. So if there was ever going to be a spot where they kind of you know I, you know I know they didn't play Stanton yesterday. If they gave a couple of regulars some rest, it would have to be here. And I have to think the Blue Jays, you know, really come to play today. They're gonna have all their high-leverage bullpen arms. They've now lost three straight, two, and, and really have been blown out in all three. So all their bullpen arms are are gonna still be, you know, ready to go today. And I I just have to think that the Blue Jays really want this one. They're not gonna to want to get swept. You know, Luis Severino, his start got pushed back. He was dealing with an illness, not necessarily COVID, but it, it looked like he had COVID-like symptoms. And the, the Blue Jays go with U.C. Kikuchi, who his, his numbers aren't great, but he's had pretty good numbers against the Yankees. Uh, they're only hitting 192 against him this year, uh, and they've seen him three times. So, you know, get a run head start with the Blue Jays here at home in a spot that kind of makes sense to me. That's the way I would look in this game. I would take the Blue Jays on the run line here, Mark.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm using a similar uh, handicap taking the Nationals at plus one and a half this morning against uh, against Philadelphia, who's won five straight in D.C. Uh, And again, you're getting a starter in Zach Elfin, as I mentioned before, has been terrible on the road this year. And even though this Jackson to young man who's getting his second start, you know, uh, I I just looked at it and said pitchers being creatures of habit. He doesn't have any habit yet, right? He's the second start in the bigs, and he's fighting for his life. So, kind of a similar, you know, Nationals don't want to lose again at home to the Phillies and see if they can come through. Uh, another series that you've uh, looked at here is the Giants and Pirates, and I, I, I scratch my head. I just talked about Alex Cobb's K prop here at four and a half. Pirates strike out third most amount of times per game in baseball, and yet this is not a high number or high juice. But how are you playing uh, this Pirates Giants game?
5: Well, it's a good segue here, Mark, because I I think this could be another nice plus one and a half bet on the board today. You know, Sunday tends to be a good day for this in general. We see some teams rest guys. And if there was ever a spot where the Giants might sort of, you know, rest guys and and maybe not come out with their best effort, it it would have to be here. Uh, They're starting to heat up. But the Giants still, to me, are a fade. They're one of the worst defensive teams in the league this year. And I still think they're overrated. From last year's 107 win season, and now they're overrated because of this recent run. Because if you go back to before this, they they really were playing terrible baseball. Uh, they started a four game series tomorrow in Atlanta, so that that's a big that's a big deal right there. Giants Braves, sort of a marquee series. So if you were ever going to rest guys to try to you know sort of get you know reset your team, it would have to be here against the Pirates, in my opinion, and the Pirates. You know, for as as bad as they've been, I, I still they're, they're still going to win a few games. They called up, they called up one of their top prospects yesterday. He made his major major league debut, uh, Leover Piguero So they're trying to shake it up because that's really been the issue for the Pirates, right? They just they just can't score. Uh, so you know they did score enough, you know, a few runs yesterday. They lost seven five. And if you look at this series so far, two competitive games, neither went the Pirates' way. But last year the Pirates. Even in that 107-game winning season for the Giants, the Pirates really did kind of, you know, own the Giants. They won four of the seven games and played extremely well against the Giants last year. So, you look at the starting pitching here. You know, Cobb very well may get his strikeouts, uh, but he's given up plenty of hits. Uh, yeah. Two of his last three starts, two of his last three, three starts, he gave up ten hits. Um, you know, the he's got a five uh, 5.23 ERA and 1.49 whip this season. So, you know, he may get his strikeouts because I'm you know, I don't think that's gonna the Pirates lineup today is gonna be immune from from swinging and missing, but they may get enough runs here. And with the Giants maybe not, you know, maybe not willing to burn every one of their high leverage guys before this Brave series, you know, you're getting plus one and a half at minus one oh five. It's the way I like to play lesser teams. You know, if I see value with the Pirates, I, I these bad teams tend to lose close games. So I'd rather take the plus one and a half, but I, I would not be surprised at all if we see the, the Padres steal the finale of this series.
3: Mm-hmm. Trig, we only got about two minutes left. Angels, Mariners, uh, next game on your card. Break it down.
5: Yeah, so here I'm just going to fade the Angels off of a doubleheader sweep uh, because I just don't think they have the bullpen. arm. I think they used every bullpen arm they have. You know, this is a bullpen that's been in the bottom third of Major League Baseball for most of this year. And now they're going to they're going to bring in a rookie uh, to make a start in this game, which is essentially going to be uh, a bullpen game. And on the other side for the Mariners, Logan Gilbert's kind of been my guy, Mark, Uh, going back to last season. I feel like this is a guy I was like ahead of the curve on. I made a a bunch of money backing him last year and even early this year. I think the cat's kind of out of the bag now. I don't think I don't think it's a secret that Logan Gilbert is really good anymore. Uh, Seven and two with a 2.22 era and 1.06 whip uh so he's a stud and he's getting priced like it now right you're gonna have to lay some juice here at minus 160 or minus 165 but uh you know kenny rosenberg is the guy that the angels are gonna trot out there today uh i have a feeling the angels are gonna have to get this one done with the back end of their bullpen i just don't think that's gonna happen uh if you look at this is a five game series The Angels, the way they came into it, the fact that they're going to leave with a series win regardless, I think is good enough for them. And I think the the Mariners will will save face here in the finale and find a way to win this one. Uh, The pitching just stacks up so much better for Seattle here. So I would lay the juice.
3: Love it. Uh, Great handicap there. He is. Adam Trigger of Wager Talk and the Hustle Show Pod. Certainly appreciate all the great advice today, man. Always great to talk to you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and the rest of the Father's Day. Best to you and everybody, man. And uh, we'll talk again real
5: soon. You too, Mark. Thanks for having me. Have a great weekend.
3: All right. Uh, there you go. So uh, definitely, that's a interesting spot there for the Angels uh, as I just sort of start to look at this whole game here uh, and break it down. It, you know, it's it's always great when you can get uh, piece of information you didn't have before uh, and you'd look at some of these sunday games and as adam pointed out you know the leverage situations that they're willing to forego at the start of a big series on monday certainly worth uh worth noting going in all right uh coming up next we're going to play our favorite nfl game of uh figure out when teams are going to get a win and where the value is that's coming up next right here on point spread sunday on vcin the sports betting
0: network
4: Check out Point Game with John Wall
0: and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSAN, the sports betting network.
3: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game? The betting splits page is updated every 10 minutes so you can see the changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you. A smarter better all year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday. I'm Mark Zeno. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zinno. And that betting splits information was very handy for us yesterday with game two of the Stanley Cup final between Colorado and Tampa Bay as uh, the money did not match where the public opinion was as the public was heavily on Tampa Bay in game two, plus one and a half on the puck line and all the money was with the Avalanche on minus one and a half on the puck line. That's uh, where we went yesterday and, uh, and ended up cashing a ticket. So uh, make sure you go to the VSIN betting splits page to stay up on all the information. All right, let's uh, switch gears here and get to the NFL because uh, we've been having fun over the last couple of weeks of trying to figure out when teams are going to get their first win, when teams are going to take their first loss. We'll continue today uh, with three more teams who are expected to be at the bottom of the NFL. Um, when it comes to win totals this year and looking at when they're going to get their first win. And we'll start with the Falcons, um, whose win total this year is at four and a half. And again, I live here in Atlanta. I'm not a a Falcons fan, but, you know, cover the team. And I think them getting over four and a half wins. I think there's four and a half wins in the schedule, but I think a lot of it's going to be a sweat in the second half. So the question is, when will they get their first win of the year? And taking a look at those odds as they open up at home against the Saints as an underdog, Uh, I don't like the spot for them to win that game, but I do like the spot for them to cover that game. Uh, Again, a four point dog at home Um, and, and really the saints, it kind of depends on, you know, the quarterback situation and the coaching situation for them, but this is a rival for the Falcons. Can they beat them? Yes. Um, Will they do it? Probably not. Uh, And of course, again, they have to go to uh, the Rams in week two. Seattle week three, a lot of people are looking at as the best chance for the Falcons to steal a win. I don't know. Look, going out to Seattle uh, in back-to-back road games, back-to-back West Coast games, where I think the Falcons will probably do that thing where they stay out West, uh, is not a good formula. Seattle's going to have to play a bad game, and despite the fact that they don't have a good roster, Pete Carroll's still a good coach. Not a great coach, but a good coach, and I think it's... uh, that may not be the easiest. I would actually look at them against Cleveland coming home, especially if it's not Deshaun Watson as a starting quarterback. That's the spot where I think that the Falcons can get their win. You see the Browns plus 700 there uh, for, the, for the Falcons with a chance to get their first win. I think that feels like a better spot. I think a lot of people would pick the Seahawks, as you can see, they the second favorite after the Saints in week one. But I just don't like the spot of back-to-back road games and back-to-back West Coast games where the Falcons haven't slept in their own bed in a better part of a, a week. Um, for anything. So um, Seattle is probably the worst team of their first seven games that they're going to play. But not exactly the best spot for them. So, uh, again, I would look to Cleveland. I like the value on the Browns at 7-1 for the Falcons' first win. Pivot over to the team we just spoke about, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, when they get their first win, open up at home against Denver in the Russell Wilson Bowl. <laughs> Don't think they'll get the win there. Um again, Falcons in week three seems like the spot for them just because again, they get the Niners in week two um in San Francisco. So it doesn't look very favorable there. Uh and after Atlanta, if they can't win that game, the Lions at plus seven fifty may be the spot. And you can see the drop-off. Uh, between the Falcons and the Lions, Falcons two to one, and then it's seven and a half to one for the Lions. And that's just uh, you know, the idea that the Seahawks probably won't beat the Falcons, at least that's what the odds are telling you. But if they don't, if the Seahawks start 0-3 and, and you believe that the Falcons can win that game, well, um, at Detroit in week four at seven and a half to one feels like the best value proposition for you in this scenario with these teams Uh, you know the it's tough to figure out when bad teams are going to get their first win because even against other bad teams like atlanta and detroit it's a coin flip game um and there's a lot of things there's a lot of variance there that you can't eliminate a missed kick uh you know a a turnover in the red zone things of that nature that are going to sway the tide of the game in one direction or the other um and so what you're hoping for at least with a prop like this for teams like the falcons and the seahawks And next, we'll get to the Texans here in a moment. But if you're looking for the spot, I would take the value bet over what feels like the bet that is going to win you a game, per se. As I was mentioning earlier, again, the Falcons versus the Seahawks uh, in week three, you know, those may be the spots where both of those teams may get their first win. And the easier bet looks like that's to take. But the value bet is probably smarter to take from the standpoint of uh, the coin flip nature of that that game and the variance you can't eliminate, I'll take the value over it. Uh, and keep my fingers crossed, hope that I get through it. So if I'm betting on the Falcons, again, I go with them against Cleveland because I'm getting 7-1 odds and hope the Seahawks pull it out. And the same thing vice versa with the Seahawks. I'm going to go um, with Seattle against Detroit uh, at 750, at plus 750 as opposed to taking them against the Falcons at plus 200 and hope the coin flip goes my way because the value side of it makes it that much better for you. So it's just a, a philosophy on how you're going to approach it, um, as opposed to taking what feels like a more sure bet at lesser lesser odds, lesser value. So there's that. All right, let's move on to the Houston Texans. When will they get their first win? And I would like to point out, um, when you look at these odds, the fact that the Texans going 0-17 is just 18-1, to Um considering it's only happened like three times in the history of the NFL, they're telling you how realistic it is that this team could be that bad. We'll see what Davis Mills is. I think that's really what it boils down to. Uh, What's the best chance for the Texans to get their first win? I mean, off the top of your head, you'd have to look objectively and go, it's the Jaguars. But, you know, the Colts uh, with Matt Ryan, and they've always had the Colts number. The Texans have been very competitive against the Colts, and so um, despite the fact that they've made an upgrade at quarterback and um, you know the Colts are appearing to be one of the better teams in the AFC, at least on paper at this point, um, I actually like the, the, the Texans week one getting the points at home. I mean, to me, that feels like a, a prime spot for the Texans to cover that number. I don't know if they can win that game outright, but... Um, And then you look at the Bears, too, but they have to travel to Chicago. Um, I I mean, I would lean on the fact that the Texans' first win will likely come against a division opponent. Uh, If it's not the Colts in week one, I would look at the Jaguars at plus 700 in week four, um, and maybe even Tennessee at at 20-1 to in weeks, is that seven or eight? That's week eight. And the only reason I say that is just simply because, again, when bad teams play division opponents and there is a familiarity there, it levels things out, right? It, level, it, it, it takes out some of the edge that some of these teams have. This isn't like the edge where it's, you know, Patriots, Jets, and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick versus whoever. Um, you know, that, that's a different scenario here. The, the, the Titans have Ryan Tannehill. Um, and, and they have no receivers at this point in time. And Derrick Henry's coming off a foot injury. So, you know, who knows how that team is really going to be. They're probably primed for some regression a little bit. But, uh, you know, when you look at the value at 20 to one, yeah, could they get that far? Who knows? I mean, it's really, really tough to forecast. Um, Jacksonville may be hungry for a win at that point, too, in week five. And it may mean more to them. And and who knows, you know, you have to kind of wait till you get a little bit closer to this thing. But making these bets now is one of those deals where uh, I look for the value more than anything because it's hard to figure out 100% of what's going to, what teams may look like when they snap the ball in week three or four, or even in week one for that matter, let alone week three or four. So look to the value for these, these props here. And again, uh, with the Jaguars at plus 700 or even the Titans at 20 to one, it's probably where I, I'd go with my money. I just don't see enough value in the Bears. And again, I think it's a coin flip spot here with Davis Mills versus uh, Justin Fields and, and going to Chicago is, I don't know if it's difficult, uh, but still the Bears have a decent home field advantage if that's still what it used to be uh, from years ago. So there's a lot there uh, as far as uh, who you're going to pick fun little prop game that we've been doing the last couple of weeks. I, I, I simply enjoy it. it. It's fun to try to forecast uh, this stuff and when you put some assigned value to it of where you can make money off of it, I think it changes the the logic a little bit. Like I said, in these spots here where we sit in the middle of June, I'll play for the value over necessarily what looks like the easier win um, because there's so many things that could change and, and variables that you have to account for uh, or at least try to account for uh, for a football season that's still probably, you know, uh, two months away from snapping a football in anger anywhere, anytime soon. So there is that. All right. Uh, coming up next, let's turn our attention to college football uh, and where there may be value for teams to win the national championship. We'll do that coming up next right here on point spread Sunday. I'm Mark Zinno. Give me a follow on Twitter. You're watching and listening to visa the sports betting network. Stay with us more to come.
4: This is
2: VSIN, the sports betting network.
1: Whether you're a novice or a
0: seasoned veteran in the sports book, VSIN is here to help you improve your sports betting skills. VSIN has assembled the leading team of insiders and handicappers, insiders and handicappers, insiders and handicappers, insiders and
2: Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.
1: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.